And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to This Old Marketing, proudly brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for you-know-who business professionals. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 411 of our wonderful little show here for Friday, September, September, what the hell am I doing? January 19th, 2024, and with me as always, as he always is, my colleague, my friend, and a guy, well, who is only slightly less depressed than I am about the football season ending the way it did. Mr. Joe Polizzi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't really know what to say about that. That's I, all I, I have to say about that. There's, <laughs> there's a good portion of our listenership that is thrilled. That oh, I'm sure. Both yeah. the Browns and the Cowboys are done. In yes. dramatic it's, fashion. Yeah, in spectacular dramatic. fashion, yes, indeed. Spectacular losses. Uh, I believe, uh, I don't know, 20 plus 30 point, whatever. I don't know how it much you guys matter. lost by. We yeah. lost by 31. Points. Well, we didn't lose by that many, but but it was not as close as the score would appear. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was yeah. 30, 30 something to 60 or 42 to 16 or something at some at one point in the game. It's like, this is just I did feel lot. really bad about it because we were at our friend's volleyball tournament. And I wasn't watching the Cowboys game. And I'm like, oh, let me see. You know, I've got you know, <laughs> sending good vibes for you, Robert, because I the day before I just saw our Browns get destroyed by the Houston Texans. And yeah. I look at it and it said something like 27 to nothing. And I said, this is not going to be a good this <laughs> marketing yeah. episode. But uh, yeah. but yeah, but, uh, you know, on the baseball season. <laughs> Here we go. There we go. Uh, do you have OK, now that our teams are up quick. Who do you think is going to win the whole thing? Uh, you know, I think the 49ers are the team to beat. I think that's the, you know, I think, but here I'll tell you this. I think who's going to, I, I think the Ravens are probably going to take it all. Um, and I would be glad actually if the Ravens took it all, um, mostly because I hate the 49ers so much. Um, but it's not going to be the Chiefs. It's not going to be the Bills. Those are both teams that are, ready to get eliminated um the ravens just look so strong and they they whipped san francisco the last time so yeah um i i know they did but i honestly don't think the ravens are that good i just don't i i don't i, I think well the there company, is they, i think they, they're gonna get knocked off either by the bills or by the by the texans i really do. it depends yeah well they've i mean see that's the thing if they if the ravens had to go play in buffalo i would i would agree with you and i think that's the i think the the Chiefs get knocked off this because they got to go play in the snow and the cold, and I just don't think they they'll play that well. Um, and Buffalo will Buffalo will play well enough to win, but I think going to going to Baltimore and and having to play the Ravens there, I think he, Lamar is just playing he's just playing lights out football right now. So yeah, we will see. I'm I'm not a Ravens fan. No, I know you. <laughs> for, for those people yeah. that, that I know don't know not. the history. The Ravens yeah, yeah. are formerly the Cleveland Browns. Yes. So try to put that together when they yeah they move. Yeah, just Google it. It's a 95. it's a whole story. It's a it's a it story. A whole yeah. story. So yeah. they don't get our history, but that that is our that was our team. Yep. 
That is so yeah, I'm not right. in a good mood, Robert. I'm just gonna throw it out no, there. Uh, I, I have you know, to, I'm gonna apologize to everyone. It's been a rough week. Plus the fact that yesterday was like minus three degrees here in Cleveland, and uh, I hate cold, cold weather. It is why I live in Cleveland. There. I don't know. I love Cleveland, I, uh, but this January, February, tough times for me. I'm telling yeah. you, you should live in Los Angeles. You should come out here. You, this is where you should live. This is where no. you should you should live in Southern California. This is the the weather that you love is Southern California weather. I mean, yes, yeah. you are right. I I like uh, the, when I go out. I mean, to you Los have Angeles, some ridiculous I'm, fascination with Florida, so uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna. Florida's just you know. you know what? No, honestly, it's just a closer. It's just an easier flight. I can take. Well, I can fair enough. Two hours. Yeah, that's fair. Two enough. hours to to basically anywhere in Florida, or I'm going five hours to Los Angeles and I get to deal with the lovely LAX airport. I mean, there's nothing. Yeah, well, let's just, okay. So because Orlando's airport is so much better. I mean, no, I'm talking, no, no, no. I'm not talking Orlando. So you always say like everything, Florida is not Orlando. Miami. Got, Miami's worse. Miami's got wonderful. There's in the Tampa Bay area, Fort Myers area. Okay. Yeah. So if there are, if there are any wonderful yes. place to be, if there are any redeeming, if there are any redeeming attributes <laughs> of Florida, and there are few, I will tell you, there are few. Um, it is the Gulf side, yes. It is the Tampa and south of Tampa. That's it's beautiful there, and of course the Keys. The Keys are lovely. You know, I've never been to the Keys, but I'll be there in April. So we're going. I'm going to the Keys will, for the first time in April. Keys are absolutely spectacular. I mean, it's there's nothing to do there. Um, but eat and drink, but, but it, it, the keys are amazing. I think if it's warm and I could eat and drink, Oh, it'll be warm. Oh, it'll fine. be warm. Yeah. But this is uh, so, and, and, uh, those who are regular listeners of this program, thank you very much. You always know that in January, February, I get in a funk. It, That's it's right. A, it's a thing. Uh, we deal with it by going <laughs> to warm places and it's just <laughs> this week. I'm not in a warm place. No, next week so I will be your heart, your heart and head and body are not in a warm place. <laughs> well, I have. Yeah. And OK, I have you seen the commercial with Mike Greenberg uh, standing in front of the, the grill trying to get warm and it's 48 degrees outside and he's got his big parka on. This is an ESPN commercial. No, he's got his parka on and, it, yeah. and everybody. Saw, the other two guys are dressed normally and he's like really cold and he's trying to warm up over the grill. And they're like, Mike. Uh, it, it's 48 degrees. It's like whatever. Like, he's like, but the wind is whipping off the off the lake or off the water. He's like, we're we're 30 miles from the water. <laughs> no, yeah, that's me. Like for, <laughs> mid 40s, whatever. <laughs> I'm freezing. My hands have already turned white because like super white because I'm I'm cold and yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it's a thing. I'm yeah. a little dramatic about it, but I, I this I know. Yeah, this 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 I know. <laughs> Your your drama about the yeah. cold temperatures. Yes. Anyways, what else is going on? Well, you know, I mean, there's a lot going on, and we do have an interesting show for sure. But uh, one of the thing I wanted to get your your take on is is if you've seen this uh, this thing that's going viral right now, this news piece that's going. Well, it's not really a news piece as much as it is sort of just a viral video of the woman who was fired from Cloudflare. Um, I did. And, I've been seeing the. And she recorded it. Basically, she recorded herself getting laid off, and and uh, uh, and it, the video has now gone viral. With everybody sort of coming into Monday morning quarterback, as it were, um, her, you know, what she did was it yeah, right? Yeah. So get, get, I've I've not. I only saw the headlines. I only sort of know what happens. Uh, yeah. So well, basically, what happened was 
I'll give you the lowdown, right? So the, the lowdown is, is that, um, the, and, and that you can Google this, there's plenty of <laughs> the, the, the mainstream news outlets covering this, but, uh, uh, a woman by the name of Brittany Petch, I'm guessing, or Pietch, um, former employee of Cloudflare, um, and our B2B marketers out there will know and, and appreciate Cloudflare where most people don't like most, like my wife would have no idea what Cloudflare is, but a lot of us in the marketing technology space know Cloudflare, of course, because it's a big, uh, sort of web services sort of provider. Anyway, she's, um, she was an employee seemingly in the account services group. So call that sales, call that account management, whatever. And then there's, she's getting fired. And she basically says, look, she got a heads up that a lot of her colleagues were getting 15 minute appointments on their calendar. She gets a 15 minute appointment on her calendar over on Zoom and realizes that basically there's a wave of layoffs happening. And so she prepares for it by getting her camera set up so that she can record the actual interaction. Um, and she's never met these people before. They're from HR. And of course, they do the this, the usual, you know, we're, you know, we're sorry, we have bad news to deliver. And she says, I'm going to stop you right there. Um, and she basically says, look, I, you know, she starts to justify what, uh, you know, what she did and how she did it. And, you know, basically, you know, it, it, she's just saying that you can't make up that I'm not doing my job or you can't, you can't say I'm not doing my job when I am doing my job and my reviews have been good and everything my boss says I've been mm -hmm. good. And, and she records the whole thing and basically, still gets fired right um and of course so because it, at that point you're getting fired like yeah, if hr is right. involved you're not gonna they're not gonna say oh we'll 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 have a meeting right. and talk about this it is not right it's not a negotiation right yeah, it's not a negotiation done. you're already done. and 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 basically the world goes crazy right her her video goes completely viral you know, and sort of dividing down as we do on social media these days, as we do, it divides right down the middle of people saying, good for you, good for you standing up. This is awful. Um, it's basically not a good look for Cloudflare or honestly, because the other side also chimes in for her, honestly, because it's like, really, you're going to we're going to record that. And that's, you know, what are you doing? And all those things. It gets to the point where the CEO actually has to, you know, tweet out. Um, or X out, I don't know what the word is these days, um, and basically says, look, we fired approximately 40 salespeople uh, over, you know, uh, over our 1,500 salespeople that we have. Um, that's a normal quarter, they say, basically, and they're sort of doing, it, it seems like they're sort of doing the GE thing where they sort of take the lower performing, uh, you know, layer of employees and, and basically let it go and basically okay. making room for, 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 for more higher performing employees. So it's a normal course of business for many companies, by the way. So, you know, it's an interesting thing because, and, and the reason I wanted to talk about it maybe on the show is because it, it brings up a lot of things about as, you know, we create a lot of content as employees, as creators, as marketers, as influencers, as, you know, just in our normal daily lives on social media. And I don't know if this was right or wrong, right? I don't, I don't, you know, it, there's, there is a certain aspect of this to say, she, you know, this is not going to be good for her ultimately in the long term. In the short term, it's, it's interesting because she gets a lot of attention. I, I suspect she'll probably get a job interview out of this. 
Um, but in the long term, is this good for her? I, I don't know because it's, 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 it, I'm, I'm conflicted on it. So I wanted to get your take on it, I guess. It's interesting in today's day and age when a lot of people, Britain, I don't know how old Brittany is, but she looked like she was Gen Z or close to millennial, young millennial. Yeah. yeah. Uh, your entire lives are online. So what's it? it I wonder if Brittany even thought about whether this was a good or a bad idea. Now, if Brittany's going to go on and be her own content entrepreneur, content creator, doesn't matter. She, it <clears throat> right. might actually help from that standpoint. But if she wants to get another corporate job, yeah, it's a, it's a tough position to put an employer in. But again, if you are an employer today, I think you have to start expecting this to happen on a regular basis because you've yeah. got people that have their lot always on lives. I mean, you and I were talking before about the 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 meta Ray-Ban glasses that finally seem to be cool enough for people to wear. And yeah. I've talked to a number of people that got them and love them. Absolutely love it. So I'm like, okay, well, there's something that Meta actually has done that's that's working. Um, you're going to have more and more of that happen where they're recording their entire lives. Yeah. Right now, we do it in bits and pieces on different social media networks. But pretty soon in the future, some people will just turn it on. Like, I'm on. I'm on today. Yeah. You can get my live that's stream. Right. Seeing the movies. That's right. Yeah. It, so, yeah, I think you need to expect that. Um, yeah. And then from the corporation standpoint, you know, it, it's going to it, it's going to change the nature or has the potential to change the nature of how layoffs are done. Right. Because if I'm in HR, if I'm a if I'm a leader in, in comms, for example, the communications group of a, of a, of a larger company. I'm going to take a good, long, hard look at how we are doing, how we're doing those exit, you know, sort of, uh, I guess, you know, inf inform, you know, informative sort of interviews. I'm not sure, you know, the, the right word for it, but basically it, it just may not make sense to do them via Zoom anymore, right? It, it, they're, 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 they're just with the risk, you know, being that somebody's going to record it and post it to social media and make a thing out of it. It's like, yeah, it, it may not, playing, you know, it's just I, not I worth guess playing the, devil's yeah. advocate. I would say, so I was, <laughs> I was involved in one of these 20 plus years ago when there wasn't technology available. Oh, like sure. This. I've been involved wish. in multiples of these. Yeah. And it was all, oh, there was a meeting that happened. Somebody said this and somebody else said this. And it was, it was one word against another person's word. And it, you know, there was a lawsuit and a big trial, whatever. If we had a recording of it, none of that would have happened. Either was this person is right, this person is wrong, done. So well, that's why they that, always have two people, right? They always that's why have they always have two people. That there's or at least two, right? At I mean, least two. But I think yeah. if you just said we're going to record this, and both is both sides are aware, it's like oh, we're going. Well, that's a good point. Recorded. That's a good point. And, and then I think that honestly, from this, maybe you'll see that just everything's recorded, and I think it's it's more to help the uh, the corporation. And protect their butts. When well, that's a great the point. Because comes back and says, yeah. "You said this, or you said I'm too old, or you said I'm too young, or you said I'm not doing this." It's like, no, we didn't. We got the recording right here. So yeah. I think that should be standard practice, even well, it in is. an in-person environment. It is. It is. It, it is. I believe for most companies, recording it is a standard practice. Um, 
because for exactly the reason you just said, but the, uh, but I think that the wrinkle that you're adding, which is if it's recorded, then the company can, you know, if, if it gets, if it basically that it's, it's, it's tit for tat, right? In other words, if, if they release it, well, they can release it. Right. And so, yeah, it, it I think it, they needed this added protection. So both yeah. sides can, I think, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, did, did Brit Brittany didn't say that she was recording on her side, did she? She did not. Yeah. No, see, I mean, not. that would have been, I wish that would have happened. It's like, yeah. hey, just so you know, I'm I believe that's true. I'm, I, let me not, let me not, um, let me not, uh, us, I, I recall that, but I want to make sure I'm, I'm correct on that. Uh, yeah, I don't believe she did. I don't believe she announced to the people on the call that she was recording. Yeah, I, yeah, and I guess the point is, is that we need to ex we need to be expecting this in a corporate environment. Yeah, that it's yeah. being recorded by somebody somewhere, and if it's not today, it will be tomorrow. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd love be to hear. To I'd love to hear what, what the audience thinks. I would love to hear what the audience thinks. Uh, you know, when this, you know, obviously comment on LinkedIn or YouTube or wherever you listen or, or watch the show i'd love to i'd love to hear your take on this um because i'm actually i'm i'm, I'm truly conflicted on it i i i don't uh i don't i don't know if it's right i don't know if it's wrong um and uh or maybe it's just maybe it's neither maybe both can be true right it's both right and wrong it's it it it's it you know maybe it's just a, maybe it's just a personal choice and in, in what you know what is right all right. Do we have marketing stuff to talk about? We do. We, do yes, we, we do. We have a good, we have a good show. We have, we have a wonderful show. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about some big breaking ish news, which happened this week and is a little close to home for me. Which is, of course, the fact that Tech Target, the big B two B company uh, media company, has now been acquired by Informa, and of course, Informa being the owner. Uh, and operator of the Content Marketing Institute. Um, and then we will talk about the incredible shrinking podcast industry. Uh, we've got some really interesting discussion there to talk about, about how where podcasting is in an industry. And, and interestingly enough, some things that are happening that even we are noticing um, across the yeah, industry. This is, yeah, we, we'll have a quite a bit to talk about with this one. Yeah, so. we'll, sh we'll share there. If we have time, then we'll talk a little bit about OpenAI and they've launched ChatGPT for teams um that's an interesting development that we can chat about and is then it, we'll is rant it chat and rave. gp teams G uh, is no it chat I don't, gp teams because it, it should be it should be it, it should it, be right look, i just look, yeah up with that. yeah that's <laughs> yes okay yes. sorry uh, yeah Go ahead. Uh, no that's all right it's i chalk it up to the cold is what i'm chalking it up to <laughs> oh yeah my chalking hands are freezing right now frigid temperatures we'll get to our rants and rave section where i'm going to rant or rave. I'm not, I, I guess there's more commentary, but it's it's a pretty strong commentary over what happened with solo brands and their solo stoves and the Snoop Dogg uh, thing. They have just replaced their CEO, and I'll talk about wow. what I think about that. Yeah. I didn't know any about. It. I'm very interested in hearing. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. And then you are going to talk about the fact that Reddit has now won a lawsuit uh, against Wall Street bets. Um, yes, uh, and that's fascinating to me, actually. So yeah, so so good show leading up to the pinnacle, the penultimate, the zeitgeist, the wonderfulness of our rants and rave section. Oh so my stay god, stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. So basically, we, but what you're saying is we've got a lot of filler, and then we have a really good 
Rants well, and rage. We, we could talk about football, end, I guess. <laughs> the end of this. We, we could talk. Maybe more we about should football. mix it. We should mix it up. You know what I was thinking? Uh, because Uh-oh. we had Uh-oh. a lot of. Uh, we've had a lot of our uh, listeners, wonderful listeners. What about we should maybe bring back to this old marketing example at some point? Remember how we used to have it at oh, the end? Yeah. We said, What's our example? Well, you know what we could do? We could sort of steal something. I, I think that's a that's an excellent idea, by the way. Um, but I also think we could probably steal from a winners and losers kind of thing, steal from Galloway and do a winners and losers thing where winners in content marketing, losers in content marketing. Because wait, when you hear my my rant, it's th- this week would definitely be a great example of a loser in, in content and marketing. Yeah. I like the idea. I don't want to steal from from Galloway. But, okay. Uh, well, you think about but, it. With, but there's you something. You put your hands in your pockets. Might be a, so, so <laughs> yeah, uh, write into us. Let us know. Go to thisoldmarketing.com and, and let us know. But, and we need some reviews, by the way. By the way, it would because, be great to get some reviews. Because the last, be... the last, the last reviewee, I was very negative because they don't it like was? football. Yeah. It was like, we don't, I won't listen about football anymore. That was, oh, it was okay. that, it, well. I'm like, well, you spent this time. Yeah, I think when we saw that review, we just we we I'm talked so about football three times this time as much. together. Right. Just to I'm have ready. a laugh and share a song. I can sing more. Okay, I'm we're sure gonna open up with our want. top story here, which is Tech Target. Uh, those of you in B two B marketing, well, you know Tech Target, um, and Informa has created a monster business. This, uh, according to a media operator, by the way, another. It's just a fantastic newsletter. You should subscribe to it. Um, and it basically, he says, and this there, there's a number of uh, obviously outlets that are covering this from you know from CNBC to other financial you know because it's a big deal, right? Um, and but but basically, it opens up by saying it's not every day, day that you see a deal that can have a major impact on B two B markets. And it's not every day that you see the combination of Informatech's digital assets, which I'm familiar with, obviously, because of the Content Marketing Institute relationship to Informa, and of course, Tech Target into a new pure play digital B2B business. Um, this is according to the press release, of course, that Informa will contribute uh, basically its digital businesses and $350 million of cash in exchange for a 57% stake in the combined company, which gives you a little bit of a deal about how Tech Target was valued, where where Tech Target would be would be valued at. Uh, in essence, basically, Informa, as it says, provided a large chunk of cash to pay shareholders of Tech Target, plus provided all of its digital businesses, including Industry Dive, which Informa, of course, acquired in the second half of 2022, Netline, an intent-driven bleed generation platform, Omdia, a research business, and various other digital media brands, and so. It's interesting. They're almost creating its own sort of siloed part of that business, that sort of syndication business there. Um, And the article goes on to talk a little more about the details of the deal itself. So you've been part of these big publishing media company acquisitions before. What was your take when you read this? And then I'll give I've got a short take about this and maybe how it pertains a little close to home for us. Yeah, I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but uh, if you remember when uh, UVM now and in, Informa purchased what was Pentamedia, that was my former company that I worked at years ago, they split it off and basically Informa kept the event side of that business and right. got rid of the magazine and the in the digital media business. And that became Endeavor. Uh, yep. So they split that off. And it this feels like a make good. It feels like 
Um, if Informa had the opportunity to do it again, they would have kept those newsletter subscribers, those print subscribers, those loyal, uh, those wonderful brands that some have been around for hundreds, hundred plus years, uh, and are still going strong today. And Endeavor Media, from what I can, uh, from what I know, is continuing to do really, really well. Now that said, so they get a little do over here. But what's interesting is they really are keeping it siloed. So yeah. there's they're keeping they're they're this is not getting intertwined with the event business that's in Forma's big business at all. They right. are really that's right. saying, look, this is this is a B2B media and information division, and it's just going to be that and almost putting it under this tech target brand, if you will. And that's interesting because I mean, what have we seen for the past 20 years in B2B media? It's this integration, this thought of integration. It's like, okay, we've got the events business, we got the media business, we got we'll see what happens with print, we've got this custom. Uh, branding business that we do a lot of uh, content marketing projects. We've got a research division. Um, all, so that's like, oh, okay, that's the modern media company. But in this case, that's not what they're saying at all. They're that's saying right. we want to keep these things separate because we believe at scale focus is that important, and we don't want one to clutter up the other one's strategies. That and, yep. am I reading that correctly? Because that's uh, it, certainly what this looks like. It's exactly how I'm reading it. Uh, you know, I mean, this is so. To me, what this looks like is, and and you said it very well, which is the the if they had to do over again, which I think is a you know I think they're in many ways it's a correction happening in you know very you know at you know the tectonic level right a a, yeah. a correction for a strategy that was pre pandemic all about the events business right it was all about events and events and events and events and what. And in a very, very, very small way, um, what the acquisition of Content Marketing Institute showed to then UBM and then subsequently to uh, when UBM was purchased by Informa, um, it showed that the media business is what drive the online and digital media business is what drives the event business, right? So they work synergistically. And so in a very small way, that was a you know, and, and I'm not suggesting that it was the CMI acquisition that sort of pivoted the entire Informa strategy, but it, but at a smaller scale, it was that recognition of that they had over-indexed on events and needed to balance a much more uh, B2B and media business, which includes everything from newsletters to content syndication to intention, you know, uh, you know, networking and and all those kinds of things and build out their portfolio that way. And you can see that happening in real time. If you look, there's and in the article, actually, uh, the, it actually lines out the the four divisions of Informa and you can see it. You can you can see it just there, right, where they're basically saying, look, we've got a division form on events. We've got our you know data and research sort of uh, elements. And then we've got basically marketing stuff and we've got our uh, academics, you know, where we have everything from, you know, online learning to all those kinds of things. Uh, and then we've got sort of, you know, this, this growth area where we're sort of making weird investments in terms of things that may or may not work out. So it's there. I think it's, 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 it's honestly brilliant, brilliant management. To me, um, I think it's. I think when they, when I look at it, I go, "This is exactly what a company the size of Informa has to do yep. uh, in today's world of either becoming a giant media company or a small media company." We've talked at great length about how it's hard to be in the middle, 
and scale is what wins the day here in in uh, in 2024 and this becomes just a, a core piece of their uh, a core piece of their business so uh, you know it's i, I it, the interesting thing is we uh, me cmi will probably feel none of this right will will there will probably be the the implications to cmi content marketing world and and all those kinds of things other than oh yeah they're part of the same company is probably negligible in terms of where uh how the impact on it i would i would agree with that um yeah the one thing that I guess the one thing I always thought in the past with a company, not just Informa, but like Informa or events-driven companies, it was a focus on the product. We are an events company. And what this makes me think is that there's more of a focus on the customer. It's like, why, why should we think we have, a, we have such a wonderful relationship with this customer? We're only going to sell them events? That's it? Like what business? Yeah. You always say that. That's what right. business are we in? So it's, right. it's a, a, a reanalyzation. Like what business are we in? Are, are we in the B2B buyer's journey in this particular market? And we trying to help them uh, be better marketers or, or data analysts or whatever the market is? Or are we just really good at running events? That's and right. We've talked about on this show. It's like, okay, you build an audience and then you can monetize that audience up to 10 different ways. Well, if you're just events, you're basically looking at one or two ways. And that's where I always love the CMI model is because we were like, we want to build a relationship with this audience person, and then we can sell them all sorts of things. Right. And we That's can do exactly it all right. sorts of ways. It's and, and I'm not saying one is better than the other. I just think one is more natural. And maybe for the long term for a company like Informa, it now makes sense to say. Yeah, they're oh balancing God. their port yeah, they're balancing yeah. their portfolio of revenue streams, right? So right. against against a customer base, which you know, even if you look at the front page of the Informa website, right? I mean, they they basically say it right out loud in their in their brand statement which is we're basically looking at specialist markets right we're looking at very discrete niche personas that is our customer and selling them many things right you know which you know data education yeah. event participation etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's about you know it's about those markets and and don't you think a little ptsd from COVID? it's like a totally yeah they, yeah, they're, they we still remember how yeah. revenues went to almost nothing from exactly of dollars. Well, that, that's the indexing that I'm that's yeah I think yeah. they they recognized after COVID that they had way over indexed on the event business yeah. and and so and so, and basically said hey listen this and they've and this is what I mean by that very small example because during COVID uh, CMI actually did very well right because of all because of how much digital media business was already built into the model. Yeah. You know, from webinars to online events to the blog to, you know, sponsorships, you know, of, of media yeah, yeah. and research is basically that was that was built into the model and, and didn't go away. Right. And like so many of the other brands had their sort of digital media chops ripped out from underneath them. And that and I think that was also the 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 precursor when we saw Industry Dive get, you know, Industry Dive was a perfect acquisition to sort of repair the damage done by ripping out all those media properties from the event companies. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They go together. It's like peanut butter. They, they really do. Right. So they really do. Okay. Right. Well, Hey, listen, speaking of monetization and <laughs> thinking about our customers, I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, <laughs> it's probably time for us to pay a couple of bills here. Shall we? 
Your sales software should not be a bummer. When you step inside your CRM, you should feel equipped to do your best work. That's the magic of HubSpot Sales Hub. The new Sales Hub is designed to help you win. With an intuitive prospecting workspace and AI-powered tools to reduce your workload, closing big deals is no big deal at all. Get AI-powered tools like ChatSpot that are tailor-made to help you automate steps across the sales pipeline so teams can take back their time and spend it on more impactful tasks. Close more deals and get on track for your best Q1 yet. Learn about HubSpot Sales Hub at HubSpot.com slash sales. Want a great new podcast for 2024? Well, try Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture, well, it features husband and wife team Al and Leanne Elliott as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your question about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. Just like Joe and I, one of their recent episodes featured their predictions about what trends will dominate the 2024 workplace. You can follow Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture wherever you get your favorite podcasts. <laughs> so calming. Yeah, there you go. Did you have, I, well, okay, was going, I'm going to ask that, you, I, I lit a I'm candle. going to ask again, have you listened to Upstairs at Eric yet? No, no. Oh my God. I, I'm just gonna have okay. to force. I'm gonna All have right. to force you to listen to it on the no, show. No, 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 no. I have no. I have my to-do list right here. I'm okay. writing down upstairs with Eric. Yeah. So, and the problem oh, yes. here's the problem because I wrote it down on this. See all my notes here. If you can see, yeah, on the screen. yeah, yeah, yeah. All those notes. Yeah. It's in yeah. there somewhere. It says it says do that, but I didn't because I lost it. But now I made I a see. new to-do list. I'm feeling really good about it. This to-do okay. list accomplished today nice i'm i'm so proud of you i'm so i'm so proud you should be yeah and and especially for january because you just don't get much out of me so that's right yeah to get anything out of you in january to get anything yeah this is is the fact that i'm here that's right is a win that's right it's a win i should be positive about that we feel it we feel you i feel by the way i went to see american fiction last night the movie and i really enjoyed it nice lovely yeah so I honestly, you, I, you will really like it. You will really like it. I, I highly recommend it. Okay. All right. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, so let's get to our next story. Let's do it. Okay. We got a, and this is an int- this is an interesting one that hits very close to home for us. Uh, this is going to come courtesy of Semaphore, which is also a great site, by the way. It is. Uh, the news here. Uh, well, the headline, let's talk. start with the headline, the incredible shrinking podcast industry. Uh, and the news is that Apple has quietly tightened its reporting of how many people listen to podcasts, sending shockwaves through an embattled audio industry still reeling from the end of the COVID era production bubble. The shift, Apple wrote in a blog post, was technical. The dominant podcasting platform had begun switching off automatic downloads for users who haven't listened to five episodes of a show within the last two weeks. Uh, But while few users noticed this shift, some of the biggest podcasts in the world saw their official listener numbers drop dramatically. Long-running shows that published frequently were hit particularly hard. A user who had listened to a show like the New York Times, The Daily, a few times subscribed but stopped listening would continue to count as a download indefinitely. 
even better under the old rules for people who listened to a show, dropped off for a while, but started listening again later, Apple would then automatically download every show in between the last, you know, uh, listening. The arrangement drove big download numbers, a crucial metric for ad sales uh, and all of that. So uh, this, I mean, we can, we have another story to pair this with just to get another angle on this, but basically they say the same thing, which is, We've seen a dramatic decrease for most podcasts, especially those that are heavy Apple users. Um, and the change here is basically if you don't listen to episodes, you know, five weeks in a row, it stops downloading them, right? It stops automatically downloading them, which it didn't used to do. So it's probably a good thing ultimately for yes. listeners, their space and all of that. But boy, does this, it, does this hurt if you're a podcaster? I mean, what do you think? Well, let's be honest with it. It probably started at the end of September. That's right. In October, you and I were looking at our downloads saying, what are we yep. doing? Like, have we uh, made people upset? I, I really didn't know what the heck happened. And now we do. Like, like, and it's happening to everyone. And, and if you just have to, the article goes into the fact that the top 10 podcasts by downloads have no comment. They don't even yeah. know how to answer because their entire media kits and the way they sure. you know, talk to advertisers and sponsors about this thing needs to change. And by the way, just, I mean, a lot of you that are listening to this have podcasts, but just so you know how it works, when we get contacted about somebody wanting to sponsor on this episode, the first question they ask is how many downloads do you get? How many downloads? Month? Yep. That's it. So, and though this affects that. Now to That's your right. point, this is, a good change. That's right. But again, it's very, very difficult. And I don't want to, I, I don't know if this is a question of, oh, rented land again, but it's a van. This is downloads are just one vanity metric. And this is the thing that's, that's tough about being a marketer and a content creator. Cause of the fact that we, we don't really know with anything that we do. Yeah. Yeah. Who's engaging? It's almost, you know, when I was reading through this and, and looking at the, the data, Robert, I almost said, you know, this is almost why I like leaning toward YouTube a little bit more when it comes to podcasting, because at least I get a view. If somebody has to watch it for 30 seconds to get a view credit. That's right. So, you know, maybe they're only listening or watching for a minute or two minutes, but at least they did. In the past with downloads on uh, via, you know, Apple Podcasts, you, you, there's nobody. You can have thousands and thousands of people downloading this thing and they never open one of them well the, the, it, 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 this, this is, is the yeah i mean it answers a huge question that i've had for months and months and months about analytics right so you and i as you mentioned you and i watch obviously because we're in the business and we care um and we also monetize this to a certain degree um you know, our downloads. And to your point, when advertisers come in, the first thing they want to know are, are the number of downloads per month, typically. And the interesting thing is, if you've noticed, by the way, that your other favorite podcast will often stick in just random episodes, a la something like Professor Galloway's show or those kinds of things. There's a reason for that, by the way. There's a reason that there's a frequency bias uh, in terms of the number of shows per week, because if you do one a week, 
you get whatever your monthly download is, divide that by four or five, depending on the month, of course. And that's the number of downloads you're typically doing per show. But that's not exactly true either, because what happens is, is that you divide that number by four. And then what you get is sort of this weird long tail, like the previous month, all of a sudden the numbers will go up. And now you know why, right? Because what was happening is, is that you're, you're, you know, you come in and you're like, ah, I haven't listened to the show for two or three weeks. You would hit download for watching or, you know, or listening to the show rather. And, and now all of a sudden the previous three or four or five weeks would automatically download the ones too. you didn't listen to. Right. Yeah. So if you look backwards, you have to take that into account now as well. So the interesting thing is, is that it's not just a current month thing. Like this isn't going to be like a one month blip on most podcasters downloads. This is going to be, this is going to, this is going to trail for three, four, five months before things really normalize out. And so it's going to be a problem for some time is, is, is the point there. And a lot of people are filling their, you know, their weeks with new shows precisely for this reason, because mm -hmm. if they can get more shows in that shows more, you know, obviously you're more likely to automatically download something. And when you automatically download something, well, then of course, then there you go. So yeah, you, you're right. You want to sell more sponsorship and advertising at an extra episode. That's right. Is your best way to, to, because it, you don't need more people. You yeah. just, you just need your current listeners to you download. Need, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, exactly. You know, so it's, and it's interesting, but, but also it, it, this the hits this hits a lot of creator business models. I mean, not that we've been a part of the HubSpot podcast network for very long, but I'm under the assumption that the other ones have similar agreements to ours, where you have to be at certain download numbers, or they expect certain download numbers. Well, right off the bat, the numbers that everyone was using on every platform. You know, we we use Libsyn as our host, but you know, you see it on any of them. Apple's gonna not gonna be shooting those download numbers to you anymore. So everyone's just boom. They hit, they fell off a cliff and now there's a new plateau level. Yeah. And by the yeah. way, that can change again. again yeah. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Metrics. Indeed. Yeah. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see the sort of longer term effects of this. Um, because as you said, the networks that have set up, you know, in aggregate will feel this even more, right? I mean, they're going to feel, you know, when they've set up a network of shows, you know, and it may be a network of even small shows. Well, they're going to feel this in a much more, in other words, the, <laughs> the smaller your show, the more exponential this decrease is going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and because, you know, you're going to, you know, you lose, you know, you lose X number of downloads for the small, let's call it hopefully a small number of people who don't listen every week or who don't download every week. And then, if you know it, taking that percentage it's going to affect smaller shows way more than it's going to affect like the joe rogans or 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 those kinds of things because a if you're listening to joe rogan you probably listen every week two if you're if you're not you know it basically it's going to it'll be a blip for him right it'll be a, some percentage small percentage for him but for small shows this could be the crusher yeah and there's a lot of podcast listeners out there that listen depending on the guest. So that's, that's right. That's where it might take a hit if you're not. Like, yeah, no kidding. Two idiots yeah. talking like us every week yeah. about whatever's going on. I mean, it's a little bit different. We don't have guests. 
That's right. By the way, that a That's... lot of people don't know that because about three times a day, I get uh, even... I get it too. I get it too. Yeah, they would like to guest. On yeah, our... the CEO of X company wants to be on your show. You know, because you have such great guests on your show, and it's like what for one. Okay, you know what? You I might listen to the show without telling me you don't listen to the show. Well, for one, if I would consider it, maybe if somebody says, "Now I know you don't have guests." But right, but if you that's did, right. like, I'd be like, "Oh, thank you. At least you yeah, know." Yeah, exactly. At least you listened. At least you cared. So right. Here's your next guess. Yes. So, but yeah, the the whole it's just an interest, especially as you and I with our podcast, we're trying to figure out the YouTube algorithm, which seems to be leaning toward long longer original videos. Yeah, are are preferential to YouTube, and plus, we've already seen that you know as we break up the podcast into shorts you know our goal is to get people that watch a short uh which is anywhere from 30 to 45 seconds for what we're doing and we can hopefully get subscribers to our youtube channel that way um i'm loving our tiktok i'm loving our tiktok channel i i we have i think it's i don't think people know that we have we're testing out a tiktok channel yeah uh, yeah, we if do come, this listen, come watch us on TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, yeah, we've got that going. We just started that. We've got six or seven it's, videos on it's there. It's good. It's it's really good. I mean, you know, watch out, Kelsey Brothers, because we're coming. We're coming for you. We're coming. It's it's, coming. it's not, yeah no yeah not really as long as but, well you know if it stays cold then we're not coming for you. But but if it warms if up, I, if the temperature if warms up, mood, look out. It's never it's never going to happen. But I do. Listen. I'm we're we're learning a lot uh through through both uh, youtube we haven't done instagram yet and we're sort of waiting to see how the tiktok thing does but we'll probably do instagram and basically it's the whole idea of we have one base and that's you know the show that we uh send out on on the podcast on audio and then we have different ways to distribute that in video format so it's um, yeah we'll see how that goes yeah very nice. Very nice. Okay, very quickly, let's cover this uh, open AI story um, before we get to rants and raves because I've got a small take on it and I think it is an important thing to 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 think about which is uh, this last week uh, OpenAI has now debuted a new ChatGPT subscription, surprising exactly no one after their enterprise sort of rollout, uh, but it's aimed at smaller teams. Uh, so OpenAI says TechCrunch uh, is launching a new subscription plan for ChatGPT. It's viral AI-powered chatbot aimed at smaller self-service oriented teams. Aptly called ChatGPT Team, uh, much to Joe's dismay. Oh, uh, no. I know. I know. The plan provides a dedicated workspace for teams up to 149 people. I love the fact that it's so specific. Um, 100, you know, no, don't bring that 150th person in here. Just, just wouldn't you just that be sad? Out. I'm sorry, you're 150. You're out. Yeah, I'm, you're out. You have. But I'm recording people. It. But I'm going to record yeah. it while they out me on that one. <laughs> exactly. Uh, using ChatGPT as well as admin tools for team management. All users in a ChatGPT team gain access to OpenAI's latest models, which is ChatGPT4, of course, generating text, uh, GPT4 with vision, uh, which understands images, and of course, DALI, which creates those images, plus the tools to allow ChatGPT to analyze, edit, and extract information from uploaded files. That's probably the biggest uh, change there, which is which is which is critical. Um, I will tell you uh, to getting real value is being able to upload your own stuff and of course like the enterprise version and other tools as well it lets you not opt out of having the documents that you and the knowledge that you upload get to be part of the general learning model so you yeah. can sort of get your own sort of isolated thing there pretty cheap 
$30 per user per month or $25 per user per month billed annually, uh, which is higher than ChatGPT Plus, but you get all those team-oriented benefits um, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, do you have any, I have a quick take on this, but I, I would love your take if you have one. No, go, go ahead. I want to hear your take. So it, I think this is um, continuing down. I have long thought that the the biggest impediment to all of these, I mean, you know, you can't throw a rock these days and not hit a new AI generative AI startup that does exactly this, right? Whether they use their own learning model um, and LLM, you know, a la a company like Writer, um, which is a fantastic company, by the way, I'm, I'm a big fan of what they're doing, uh, to, you know, Jasper, to, you know, all of the ones that are out there, Notion and copy.ai and in all of these that are focused on small teams or big teams in some cases that use some element of either ChatGPT or their own learning model to sort of segment off of businesses and let them do these things across a multifunctional or multi-member uh, team and upload enterprise things and keep that all separate and make it, you know, make it your own kind of thing. I've long thought that the biggest threat was going to be OpenAI getting into this business, basically becoming the Microsoft uh, OS of uh, the the uh, the AI spectrum, and this is just another you know this is them becoming you know you know there's the they have Salesforce over here kind of model, and then they now have the HubSpot kind of model, which is you know we've got it for the enterprise where we can sell it big you know enterprise level services, and of course now we have the small business model uh, which can actually help that. So I think it's really this is really a long term big wave that may end up, you know, sort of taking out a lot of these new startups. Uh, and we'll see how the startup community evolves to, to meet this challenge. Um, they're going to have to start, you know, building features fast and furious uh, and selling fast and furious. And that's the interesting thing that we're noticing with all of our clients is businesses still aren't acquiring tools yet they're still just playing around so there's this really interesting tension right now with a speed to market like being able to offer up all these features and all these things that you can do as a small ai generative ai company the fact that the market is pretty soft right now for companies that are committing to big enterprise deals and then sort of the invention or innovation that's happening at big companies like an open ai uh, where they're going to be offering these small business tools to sort of disrupt the the marketplace. And I think it's it's going to shake out here in the first half of 24. And I think we're going to see a lot of these smaller companies sort of gets, um, you know, get swamped by these big waves. Yeah, I mean, they, they're so smart at moving at the speed that they're moving. And now that they had the the new board, if you will, at OpenAI, yeah. it's probably a little uh, more forgiving on the aggressiveness of Sam Altman. Yeah, um, OpenAI has nothing in front of them to stop them from just dominating this. Uh, and and so you're, they're they're going to become, you know, if you looked at the, you know, if you look at the stock market, they call it like the the the, the significant seven or companies or Fab used to be Fab Five, and you know, and you added Netflix and Nvidia and whatever. OpenAI joins that list of Google and Microsoft and whatnot. Yep. Uh, yeah. As 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 this thing gets crazy. And I think that, you know, valuations aren't going to get any higher. You're not going to see anything like that, but it, you're, you're going to see, I think by the end of the year, some pretty scary stuff. 
Yeah, well, I think <laughs> once it's, we I think get you through are. once we get through the election and stuff with with just AI in general. But everybody's looking at this now that we see it every day, and we're like, okay, well, how can I use this in my business? Well, there's an interesting sentiment. Yeah, there's an interesting sentiment going on right now. I find, which is there seems to be a bit of a of a bifurcation happening, right? Uh, and what I mean by that is that I'm seeing a lot less, and a lot of this is quite honestly due to the sort of eh, meh quality of imagery and text and original content that's generated by AI. I mean, I'm just seeing a lot of people that are unimpressed with, with, you know, and, and a lot of the writers that were initially like super freaked out about, you know, open AI or, or chat GPT and the ability for generative AI to generate original content are kind of going, kind of going, okay, it's not, it's, it's okay. We're going to be fine. Right. Writers are going to be fine. You know, image designers, we're going to be fine. Right. There's, there's just a lot of weakness right now in that. And and that may be on purpose a little bit to sort of, because what I'm seeing is this sort of the fear, because that fear, that sort of general overarching sort of, oh my God, AI is going to become Skynet and, you know, take over the world and do all that. I, I don't see that as much anymore. I don't see a lot of fire being lit underneath these companies right now in terms of, uh, in terms of those things. There's still a lot of concern about, IP and copyright and those kinds of things sure. that'll sort itself out. But I don't see a lot of the fear anymore where I see the fear moving that energy of the fear moving is in the deep fakes is in the sort of that, that sort of, uh, element, which of course businesses really aren't leveraging that much, um, yet. Um, but the, the, the sort of fear I see is exactly what you're saying, right? Bad actors doing things with AI, like, making politicians say things or, you know, creating imagery, you know, from the war or, you know, that all of those kinds of that misinformation seems to be where the big fear is right now. Yeah. What, what, what is, everyone will have their own truth and AI is, is not adding, right. <laughs> adding to this That's right. positive way. Um, Which itself it's lends itself to more human oriented content, right? Differentiating by the fact that you're creating human oriented content. So it, it's, yeah. yeah, it's it's funny. I um, did you listen to the the decoder podcast uh, that they, they threw on Galloway's stream about? I did uh, not. Or, yeah, ba basically, it was like it talked about the downfall of Twitter, and it said, you know, is it Trump's fault? Is it Elon's fault? And basically, when you listen to it, you you get to the point where it's it was management's it's Twitter's fault. It was Dorsey started with Dorsey. They just couldn't make a a decision about anything. But the yeah. the whole the whole thing is tied to everyone has their own little truth. And that's the problem. There's nowhere to go for who's, and, and of course we've talked about this forever, but I think that's what we're in for AI being central to this. Oh my God, where, where you're going to have your own truth. I'm going to have my own. Everybody's got their own truth. Yep. And it's going to get really nuts as to what should it's going to get nuts in, in here. 24. What should I Shout out, I by the way, when I it. when I did when I did my Batman quote, it's going to get nuts in here. There was a lot of people on LinkedIn who knew that right away. Who? who that's because we have. And I yeah, you know, shout out to our our, our audience is so smart. They're yeah, so smart. Very, They're so smart. They get it. Amazing. They get me. We have, they get we have me. the you smartest audience. Yeah. It's you the, like me. You really like smart, me. OK. The smartest one. All right. We're going to move on to it quickly. Our rants and raves because I've got quite the rant to go on. Um, so Joe's going to go first. Uh, this is, of course, our rants and race where we go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like 
Well, let's just say that makes us feel like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or makes us feel like the Cowboys or the Browns. How about that? Uh, oh, jeez. So, Ouch. You know, had to Ouch. go there again. Yeah. All right. Let me go Kudos, first. By the way, to the Packers and the Buccaneers for playing an amazing game. Matt LaFleur. Uh, and I like uh, both those teams. And Todd like Bowles. Both the teams the, and the coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Todd Bowles, Matt LaFleur, fantastic coaches, fantastic effort. Just, just beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Just really well done. Beautiful. All right. You go. Yeah, I have some commentary here. So this is uh, from Creator Economy Law, a fantastic site here, uh, talking about Reddit winning their lawsuit over the subreddit Wall Street Bets. I don't know if you knew about this. I didn't know about this. But Wall Street Bets, you know, founder of the subreddit, Jamie Rogozinski, I think is how you pronounce it, um, wanted wanted to retain the, you know, put it basically put a trademark on Wall Street Bets and, you know, Reddit was fighting him on that. There are appeals going back and forth, but long story short, you can, I'll put the article in the show notes so you can check it out. But long story mm-hmm. short, Reddit owns everything. And the big reason why Reddit owns everything, this is important for all content creators out there, is because there was no usage of Wall Street bets before the subreddit was created. So oh, if you have any community that you're creating anything at all, uh, you have to make sure you have some kind of usage on it that outside of of rented land, outside of a LinkedIn or a Reddit or a Facebook or Instagram or whatever, so that you have some claim to ownership. And that's where, you know, I want if you go to the bottom of this article, they have a really good section on creator takeaways. And it says big takeaway for creators when creating your communities, be mindful of the platform terms. And that's where they say is that Jamie would have possibly won this case if there was something previous before the wall street bets subreddit so man a million plus people on that and this person this individual this content creator started the whole thing but they don't it's that was all given to to reddit i don't know reddit made it happen with the platform but boy that's why you got to be careful if you start these communities on other people's sites so they side with the big platform folks big surprise there you go. Yes. There, that's that's that really crazy? interesting. Yeah, it's really just crazy and interesting. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean that's a big win for Reddit, right? I mean, in yeah. terms of their valuation and 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 what they're doing it, as a media company, it's so it's, yeah. So let's, I mean, look at I mean the, some of the stuff we talked about in our books and case studies where you have a Facebook group, a lot of a lot of huge Facebook groups that started. Uh, yeah. that have an ind- a unique name well you know what this is real this is precedent for you don't own any of that that's it's right all metas now that's all wherever <laughs> exactly. platform you're at. which is basically what you sign up for like when you sign yeah. when you click that box saying and you sign up for that that terms and conditions you're basically saying anything i create here they're allowed to use um and what this is saying basically anything i create here is them they're theirs right not necessarily the content you write in the you know in the in the platform, but the platform itself is is theirs. That's yeah. yeah it's a, yeah. basically it says right here. Consider establishing and registering to protect a brand outside of the community based platform like Reddit Plus before starting up the community site. Yep. So get your ducks yep. in a row. And I know it's tough, right? Because a lot of people, you know, you don't know. You don't think about it. Right? Something out. Yeah. But hey, get the, domain, the domain. Put up put a site. Up. Yep. Yep. Go owned media, my friend. Owned media. All right. 
All right. Yeah. I want to hear your take on okay. solo. Brands. So yeah, very quickly here. Um, well, not very quickly. This is not going to be that quick, but the, I promise you it's worth it because it's, it's a fascinating story. So, okay. The, the, the news story that we'll link to here uh, comes from the daily, which is a retail uh, site that talks a lot about retail brands and their strategies and what's going on. And maybe you remember in mid November of last year, Snoop Dogg made news um, because of a of a campaign that he did. Now, basically, he he launched this whole thing November fifteenth, by the way, with a single tweet. And the single tweet basically said, "After much consideration and conversation with my family, I've decided to give up smoke. Uh, please respect my privacy at this time," which was classic, <laughs> just perfect Snoop, right? And so it went viral. Mainstream news covered it. The social media covered it. It was on TikTok. I mean, it was everywhere. And then they all linked to a video that they released, a sort of a press release kind of thing, um, which was on YouTube, which was basically uh, Snoop sitting in front of a fire and basically saying, listen, I'm tired of my clothes smelling. I'm tired of feeling my you know, smoke in my lungs. I'm tired of this. And as the camera pans back, what you see is, of course, uh, Snoop sitting in front of a Stolo brand's smokeless stove. So he's giving up smoke. Get it? Smokeless stove. Uh -huh. There's the campaign. And it was amazing. And it's in a brand awareness campaign. It was amazing. Uh, it got 30 million shares, I think. Yeah, 30 million likes, comments, and shares on social media. Uh, the YouTube video is sitting currently at just a, a, a little bit over a million views. Um, Ad Age ranked it 18th on their uh, top ads of 2023. And that was, by the way, in November. So just uh, that day is going to become important here in just a second. So what could possibly have gone wrong, right? Well, Solo Brands says, eh, it didn't work. And they threw the whole marketing campaign and the CEO under the bus for it. Now, they announced sort of last week, basically saying they're replacing their current CEO with a new CEO. And normally that wouldn't be that big a news for a brand like Solo. And But the interesting thing is, is that I don't know if for some reason they felt the reason that they needed to explain why they were uh, replacing this CEO was because basically, and this is a quote from the CFO who basically in the earnings release, the press release where they announced the replacement of the CEO said, look, our unique marketing campaigns raised brand awareness of Solo Stove to an expanded and new audience of consumers, but it did not lead to the lift in sales that we had planned, which combined with the marketing investments, because hiring Snoop ain't cheap, um, negatively impacted our EBITDA. And so they gave lower revenue guidance in the coming quarter because of that. And of course, that was the reason for throwing the CEO under the bus. And so the interesting thing is, is that they're saying, this. think about this for a second. They're saying, the company is saying with a straight face that this brand awareness campaign started in November of 2023, failed because it didn't provide a revenue lift count them six weeks later right not even right <laughs> not right not even six weeks later they're they're failing the snoop dog campaign because it didn't provide sales lift six weeks later now normally you'd say well uh, maybe it didn't provide any sales lift at all they're not seeing anything so that's the thing that you would think and i'd say no as a marketer this is a great example of why aligning goals and objectives with our bosses our board our teams is so important it was a brand awareness campaign it wasn't designed to actually provide sales lift and the reason i know that is because as a marketer i went and looked at every single 
way that they've sort of distributed this. I went and looked at the TikTok videos. I went and looked at the YouTube video. I went and looked at the Instagram videos. I went and looked at all of the things, the social, the call to action in out of it, non-existent. Not, no call to action in any of the videos, which tells me it's a brand awareness video because there's nowhere to go. One call to action in the YouTube video, which clicks to, wait for it, the e-commerce page for solo brand stoves. Basically, it says learn more in the comments of the YouTube video and you can go buy a stove, which is stupid, of course, because if you're interested in, and we're just made aware of the brand, you have no persuasion to go buy a stove. You're just like, oh, that's cute. And now I'm aware of this wonderful stove. Yeah. They, the, the fail here isn't that they didn't get sales lift in six weeks, which is ridiculous at its face. The fail here is, is that they didn't actually connect it to something that might lift sales. In other words, there's no content there. You know, why not link that video to a, a video of, you know, join S Snoop's smokeless community, join Snoop's, you know, new health plan, join Snoop's new way to think about smokeless in your own life, you know, a, a an ongoing email newsletter or a publication or a website or anything, by the way, <laughs> anything at all to connect it. Because the interesting thing there. And this is what gets to this sort of uh, sort of weirdness of this whole thing. A month after it launches, right? So it launches in November, December. They have another article, same magazine, by the way. The retail it was the the then CEO was uh, was interviewed, and they actually explicitly said this brand awareness campaign isn't about revenue, right? You definitely don't tie. This is a quote from that CEO. You don't tie this to revenue. There's no reason to tie this to revenue. It's all about looking at this as a brand awareness campaign. So here's a brand that brought in a fancy agency. They came up with a brilliant idea to do this thing with Snoop that went viral. And you could probably have predicted it would go viral with Snoop saying something like that, because the only other person in the world that's as closely associated with smoking weed to him is Willie Nelson. And so it's either going to be Willie or Snoop. And that would have made huge, huge headlines if they had connected it to something and might have lay, led to uplift in sales, if they had connected it to something relevant and experiential and everything. It's a huge marketing lesson for us uh, to think about because I don't know whether it's worth, and I'm sure there's something else there that was replacing that CEO. I mean, I'm, I guarantee you it wasn't just the Snoop Dogg thing. But thinking about that as a marketing fail is not in the in, in the sense that you didn't do well with the content or that the content wasn't good. It was a fail because you failed to actually look at what it was supposed to be next. What's the you, when you win the war? What's next? How do you actually keep that attention? And so. That's my rant. There is that it's a great marketing lesson for us um, as a as a as a case study, a cautionary tale of how to do this better. Oh, I love that overview. Thank you for that. Um, you know, it's interesting. I got focused on the time. You're totally right about the goals and aligning. Yeah. Also, time. These things take time, and I was and, and the, it makes me think of I was at this volleyball tournament tournament over the weekend. And you know what? All all the teenage uh, women were carrying around those Stanley cups. Yeah, the pink the, the pink things. Yeah, uh, that's a fascinating were, case study they were too. Everywhere, I yeah. thought that I thought it was new. No, you know that that thing's been around since 2015. That's right. That's and initially, right. it initially the the largest audience for that were construction female workers. Mormons. Yeah, 
because of the these these dirty soda drinks that whatever i'm just i only read a couple articles on it i don't know but the point is they they started very small they you know they they uh, held back manufacturing on it uh, so that was sort of hard to get yeah and then went from there so nine years and now it's everywhere that's right and they were and they were talking about nine weeks for this program yeah yeah, you're talking about yeah jeez that people are collecting them now so they had a i mean this this company that company had a plan they put it they put it together they actually had help with uh, a a set of influencers to help them get the word out they they connected it to experiences it's like it's really amazing it two two different case studies there yeah i talked i talked to my my friend's daughter had one beautiful pink stanley cup and i said can i ask how much did you pay for that she said 60 i said 16 she said 60. 60. I said, did it come with a $50 bill? <laughs> yeah. 60, yeah. 60 bucks. Yeah. They're going between 46 and $70 for these things. Dude, depending there on are the people on eBay price. selling those things for like I, thousands I, of dollars. I am officially old. I, yeah. I just, is it autographed by somebody? Is it limited yeah. edition? Like what is going on here? I'm, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. That is it. All right. What do you got? What do you got coming up this week? Uh, well, uh, next week I, I'm, I might, I might take a quick trip to Florida to, to okay. get some, some warmth, but I'll be back in time for our important podcast. But I wanted to make sure I mentioned, don't you have a webinar coming up for oh, the content so, advisory? You're you want to so mention that? Nice. You're so nice. I think Look it's important. You. I think it's, I'm very proud that you're putting on this webinar. I think you should tell people about it. Oh, thank you very much. That's that's so sweet of you. Yes, we have a webinar next week, actually. Um, and uh, we'll put a link in the show notes uh, if you would like to register for it. Um, uh, we've gotten a, an amazing, uh, honestly, uh, way more than I had, had thought would uh, register for this thing. So I'm super proud of it and super, what's super. The, yeah, give us the details. What's, the, the, what's Basically, it's on, we're calling it sort of, the, there's a title, which is basically using generative AI to get uh, uh, you know, ready for your content strategy, but it, Ooh, but nice. more appropriately, it's get, how to get ready for it. Basically, getting ready to get ready for AI um, is sort of the informal title of it, and it's what you have. To, it's all the work to do to get pragmatically ready to put in generative AI into your content marketing or your content strategy. And we've got a whole sort of framework that we walk through that can help roadmap out the the right steps that brands and teams should take in order to get ready for integrating AI productively into their, into their strategy. And so thank you for mentioning it. Yeah. So okay, we'll good. put a link so in the show be, notes we'll for that, that in the show notes. Make sure yeah, you it's next week, next Thursday. Yeah. Yep. Next Thursday. Excellent. And it's, good. we're looking well, forward to it. That's very important. And you need to talk about that. That's, that's very relevant to our audience. You need to be promoting that kind of stuff. I know. Thank you for that. Thank you for yeah. that reminder. That Absolutely. is, that is, that is wonderful. <laughs> All right. Let's get the hell out of here. Shall we? And go wallow in our, uh, football misery a little more um thank you so much for listening to the show give us a review if you would and yes we will see you next week and next week we can talk a little bit about how the webinar went because that is uh that is that is on the docket and so thank you for listening uh and until we see you next week just remember it is your story to tell tell it well we'll see you next week on this old marketing